Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1070 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on the podcast, a returning, returning guest, Chris Rudin is here for his third episode of the Juicebox Podcast, and Chris and I are going to talk about talking. There's going to be so much talking about talking that we'll just talk and talk and talk about talking all during this episode. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Please don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast in the audio app that you're listening in right now. And if you use the link, drinkag1.com slash juicebox to get started with AG1. Well, you'll get one full year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs for free with your first order. Drinkag1.com slash juicebox. And don't forget to check out the Diabetes Pro Tip series that begins at episode 1000 and runs to episode 1026. If you're looking for community, find the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group. I promise you will love it. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Dexcom.com slash juicebox. Get the same CGM that Arden is wearing at Dexcom.com slash juicebox. The show is also sponsored today by Cozy Earth. And I guess it's not a surprise to anybody at this point. I am wearing Cozy Earth clothing right now. And people are texting me. That might be a surprise to you. Uh, I've got the pullover on and I don't, you know, I'm wearing the joggers too. I've been sitting here all day making this podcast. I mean, honestly, I've been sitting here for the better part of nine hours uh, doing podcast work, and I've been doing it in my Cozy Earth joggers and sweatshirt. It's fantastic. And you can actually do the same thing I did when I bought these. I used the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout, and I saved 40% off of my entire order at CozyEarth.com. And they have way more than joggers and sweatpants. Go check them out. Hey, you guys. My name is Chris Rudin, and uh, I'm a speaker. I'm a speaker with type 1 diabetes. I've been speaking around the world for years. You might have heard me on other podcast episodes. I'm also a world record-holding power lifter and a donut connoisseur. So uh, I'm excited to be on today and uh, talking to you guys about any which way we go. Chris, I think because you've been on so many times, that's kind of where I want to start. Meaning that when I met you, I mean, you and I were doing like similar speaking engagements and, but you really went after it in a different way. And I mean, I don't touch what you do. And I was wondering how you, how you kind of built yourself to where people would say, Hey, this is a guy I want to have come to my events. I want to know about that whole process. That's a really good point though, because we both started and obviously you took a different direction and I took a different direction, but we all started speaking in the diabetes space and that's, I did 30 plus events in the diabetes space before I ever touched another event outside of that space. And, uh, I think it took a lot for me to understand that diabetes was just the topical thing that I wanted to talk about. Cause diabetes conceptually is, you know, it's a problem that we have to solve on a daily basis and there's no finish line for that solution. It's a day by day process. So I think it's a testament to the fact that you've had me on multiple times 
just like taking insulin multiple times, doing these blood sugar checks multiple times. It's not just a one and done type thing. You need consistent commitment to solving the problem. And once you solve the problem, another one does pop up. That's not a negative thing. I just found that with diabetes, that was the catalyst for me to get into speaking. And I was like, man, if I could talk about diabetes and beating the blood sugars on a minute by minute basis, and even when you don't beat it, you still beat it because you're learning how to accommodate. What if I took that concept and taught other people to live between the lines? Maybe not blood sugar lines. Maybe it's their own lines. They have their own factors, whether it's companies or people. So I kind of just questioned it and ran with that question. And that developed into a massive business for me and uh, the ability to speak around the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't even know, it's laudable is not the right word. It's really impressive, like how you, how you went from this, this one specific idea and then realized like my voice, like the message I have, it applies all over the place. I think that's vital. That's so important. Like to, to understand, you have to understand that like people box themselves. They're like, Oh, I'm just a diabetic. I don't really have much to say. What do you mean? You don't have much to say. You have everything to say. Mm -hmm. You go through something that most people don't go through uh, ever in their life. And you go through it on a minute by minute basis. You have so much to say. And it's, your story does matter. And it, the message behind your story is even more important. So I think uh, a lot of people cut themselves short when, you know, a lot of people need a message. You, you might've felt the same way. I'd ask you that back. I know it's your podcast, but I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, how did you feel when you started your podcast? Like, did you feel unimportant and how did you manage that shift? Yeah, I think that I knew that what I had to say worked because I watched it work in my blog. And I always thought that that's a difficult thing for people to do. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm a great writer. Oh, excuse me. Pardon his blood sugar. Oh, diabetes. <laughs> uh, sorry, I thought my phone was muted. I don't think I'm a great writer. I think I, I think I write the way I speak. So if you read something that I've written and then hear me speak later, you'll think, wow, I can definitely tell he wrote that. But I mean, I just, for me, it was a shift in, in how the world was working. Like people just stopped reading. And I was like, oh, my blog's going to die. And because I had written a book and somebody once told me I was good at speaking to people, I thought, well, I'll try to make a podcast. And I mean, it was the first diabetes podcast. Like there had been a couple of blog talk radio shows prior to that that were like once a week. And I don't know if you, anyone has ever heard them. They were done over like landline phones. They sounded terrible. And um, it was just the technology. Oh, yeah, it was the technology that was available at the time. And I think that if I look at why the podcast has grown, part of me wants to say that I'm just a common sense person, but I apply common sense to diabetes. And at the same time, it's more than that. You have the thing too, Chris. Like, I think if I said to you right now, Oklahoma, grasshoppers, blue sky, Chris, go. You take those three words and turn it into a meaningful 10 minutes. And I think I have that too. That's actually an exercise I do with the speakers that I work with. Uh, so I'm like working with some speakers and uh, I give them exercises like that. Give me a random word and we'll build a story about that. And past that, we'll build a story inspiring or sad or, you know, man in the whole story or the hero's journey. So that thing you're talking about, obviously you definitely have. I don't know what it is. You know, is it? charisma is it a commitment to like developing ideas or the creative side and not everyone has that specific thing but i would argue that everyone has a thing that they can really lean into 
And ours just happen to have diabetes as a catalyst for that thing. Yeah. So there's knowledge, right? You have to have some knowledge, obviously, or you have to just be a storyteller and your topic doesn't need to be knowledgeable. But I find that it's like when I start talking, it's like opening a rusty faucet. Like I start to go and it drips out. And then there's a moment where I can just, I crank it all the way open and my mouth is bypassing my consciousness and going right to what it is I know or feel. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it does. Because when I speak, when I speak, it's the same way. It's like you, you open your mouth and you're just confident what's going to come out is, I mean, it's fueled by passion and I guess knowledge and prior expertise, but it's really fueled by wanting to help people and believing that what you're saying is helpful. Yeah. I spoke somewhere uh, two weekends ago, a place, by the way, that you've spoken at in the past. They were very excited when I said I knew you. And I went second on the first day. So it was a three-day event, and I went second. I was standing off to the side while this guy was doing a great job, and he was finishing up. And I stand in there and I'm thinking, like, I wonder how I'm going to start talking about this. And I'm not kidding you. Like, two minutes prior to me getting up on stage and somebody going, this is the guy who's going to talk now, I didn't really know how I was going to start or exactly what I was going to say. And I heard something in the room and I thought, well, I'll lean into that to start. I jumped up there, and I was just very honest, and I said, two minutes ago, I didn't know how I was going to start this, but I heard this out in the audience, and I think this is a great place for us to begin. And as I started speaking, they had trouble with the um, the the, uh, the the IT stuff, so I didn't have a slideshow. And everyone's like, we'll wait for the slideshow. I'm like, I don't need that slideshow. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's for you. I can talk about this, you know, in my sleep. And, um, I don't know how that happens. Like even on the podcast, when, when I think I'm the best on the podcast, I don't know that I'm not a tiny bit unconscious while I'm talking, if that makes sense. So, Oh, I, I get that. No, I get that. And it's, you're on kind of like the best version of autopilot because it's not, you're not numb. You're very much present, but it's just, the confidence exudes out because you believe in what you're doing and it just happens to be your like natural skill. I would argue that not everyone is a talented storyteller by happenstance. You know, even uh, when you get into storytelling or speaking, you have to learn kind of the art of speaking, how to craft a message. There's a lot of uh, uh, knowledge that you do have to have to properly tell a story effectively. But some people have a natural gift of just speaking and crafting a creative story. Some people are much more logical and will just be matter of fact. And I think both serve their purpose. And having a mix of both is super important. Like you said, knowledge, but also the thing, yeah. that creative thing. I think if you can have both, you know, especially as a diabetic, it's like, why not use that to your advantage to not only help other people, but to help yourself and your life and everything you're doing past the blood sugars? Yeah, I so I mentioned a book I wrote earlier, not because I want to tell people that I wrote a book, but um, because I did it very much by mistake. Somebody in the diabetes space had written a book. It's a popular book. And I wrote a sidebar in it. The author asked me, could you write a thousand words on a topic? And I did. And then the publisher came to me and said, we really liked your thousand words. Would you write a book? And I swear to you, Chris, like to say that I was a poor student in high school is a is a vast understatement. And to say that I'm not 100% sure where commas go in sentences is really accurate. But 
I don't know where that belief I, in, <laughs> I really don't. I don't know where belief in self comes from, but they offered it to me and I said, no, I don't want to write a book about diabetes. I want to write about this topic. Here's what I think the book would be about. And anyway, I did it. And after I handed in the manuscript, the publisher came back to me and said, you know, we could have hired a, a writer. They wouldn't have done what you did. And it's like, I know you and I'm in your, I feel like I'm in your head and I, I can hear you speaking and it's just wonderful stories. And how did you do this? And I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I just did the only thing that occurred to me. It was during those conversations with the publisher where they said, why don't you go do some media for the book? And then I started doing that and they started getting back to me after the interviews and saying, wow, we're so pleased with this. And I, I of course, was a neophyte. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I'm like, I don't understand why you're so like pleased. And they said, a lot of writers are not good speakers. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I, I had no idea that somebody could have such a good grasp of something, but not be able to say it out loud. And then I started thinking backwards to people I knew in the diabetes community, like really knowledgeable people who um, back in the day, companies would like pay to like stand at their tables at events and stuff like that. And I would hear back from the companies like, what a lovely person, but stood there like a like a statue. Like, you know, couldn't interact when once it came to be having people in front of them. And I realized that it was somewhat special to have knowledge of something and to be able to stand up and talk about it. And I thought, like, well, if I did this with the book, I wonder if I couldn't do this with diabetes as well. And maybe isn't that what people with diabetes need, is maybe more storytelling and less bullet points. Do you know what I mean? Now let's talk about the Dexcom G7. The Dexcom G7 is a small and wearable continuous glucose monitoring system. It sends real-time glucose readings to your Dexcom G7 app or the Dexcom receiver. Use my link, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to learn more and get started today. You will be able to effortlessly see your glucose levels and where they're headed. This way you'll be able to make better decisions about food, insulin, and activity. Once you're able to see the impact that those variables have on blood sugar, you'll begin to make more purposeful decisions and have better outcomes. My daughter has been wearing a Dexcom. My daughter has been wearing a Dexcom product for so many years, I don't even remember when she started. But today she wears the Dexcom G7 and it is small and easy and oh my goodness, are you going to love it? Dexcom dot com forward slash juice box. You can head there now and click on the button that will get you your free benefits check or just hit that other button that says get started. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the podcast. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I, I may have a problem. I may have what they call like a, a monkey on my back. I'm now buying cozy earth clothing at an alarming rate. Honestly, I think any money I'm making off the ad, I'm just sending right back to them. This is probably, they're probably laughing their heads off over there right now. But anyway, CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% and to help me pay for my sweatpants, I guess. Whether you're looking for sheets, towels, clothing, scrunchies, or anything in between. Geez, socks. Like, you've just go look. CozyEarth.com. Head over there and start your own I mean, I don't want to call it I have an addiction, but uh, start your own cart full of stuff and save 40% off of it with the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Yes, yes. Oh, man. So like that, 
that is such a big aspect of when I first started speaking in the diabetes space. And I still have a soft spot for diabetes-based events. Um, I still work with some companies, but to be able to tell more of the story side, the human side of things, you know, we have so many good, incredible doctors and diabetes educators, people like Gary Shiner, incredible. Like it's so good. It's so good. Mm. But we're still missing the human component a lot of the times. And a lot of the companies are missing that human component of how do we draw people in from patient to patient or patient to provider? Like, how do we show that we're human? How do we tell stories? Cause that's what we're missing. Mm-hmm. And I see that with a lot of major companies and organizations, they're missing the storytelling aspect, which as humans, as people, we have always gathered around uh, either a campfire or something to tell stories, to connect. And that connection is missing. Uh, but people think that they can just hire someone who is pretty or famous and that will falsely establish the connection. But they quickly learn that is not the case. Yeah, uh, I saw people misstep a couple of years ago. They started thinking that like Instagram likes were actual influence and they started paying people to like pimp stuff. And I was like, that's not gonna work. You know, like, I mean, that person's very attractive and I'm sure that's why people are clicking on that photo, but I don't know what that's got to do with using like X, Y, Z, you know, for their diabetes. And and I think they've gotten away from it. I saw a funny like marketing thing where they're talking about like, Oh, you know, there used to be streakers and they would uh, run through games and they'd have like marketing messages on their body. They would like write it. So I guess these companies back in the day used to pay people to do wild stuff like that. And what they realized is they had no uptick in uh, conversions or no uptick in views. Um, And they realized that people were more drawn to the act itself, not what they thought was happening. Like billboards, it's nice and all, but like there's no connection. There is no, if anything, it's a distraction from what you thought you were doing. And I saw a big shift in company uh, perspective and messaging after that. I know exactly what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah, I spoke at... um... Omnipod's national sales meeting one time, and all all, com- all companies do this. They bring their salespeople in to one location where they can all get together, and you know it's a it's a nice event, and they they talk business. And I was supposed to speak at the end of it, and there were over five hundred people. You know, it's a big auditorium. It's probably the most like well produced thing I'd ever spoken at. So it was like well lit, almost to the point where I couldn't see everybody out in the like when you hear comedians talk about like I can't see the back row, like yeah, you know. And the idea was to come in because everybody that works at the company doesn't have diabetes. And can you, you know, talk a little bit about why their job is so important? So I did. I mean, I flew in. I Chris knows, like, sometimes you don't get to stay places very long. You you feel very, like, you fly in, you rest up, you try not to look too tired, you go up on stage, you do the thing. And sometimes they, they put you right on, I got on a plane again. And anyway, I'm up there and I'm talking. About I'm about 20 minutes into the conversation, and I look down and I recognize that a vast amount of people are crying. <laughs> and and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I stopped and I looked down. I'm like, are you okay? And she and this woman just says, she's just like, it just hit me what I'm doing. Like the thing I'm selling. Like it never kind of occurred to her before. Like it was just a thing. She was selling widgets in her mind. You know what I mean? Like we make a thing, I sell a thing. This is Man. my job, you know? And to watch her have that connection back to diabetes and to understand more about this widget and what it did, I don't meant a lot. And and I, I I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a big deal. I had I had a management company reach out to me recently, and I don't know if it's ever gonna 
like come together or not. These things, I know people sound think that's exciting, but I probably get like 150 emails a year that sound really exciting in the first two weeks. And then, you know, a handful of them kind of flesh out. But they were talking about me doing more, uh, less specific speaking, uh, specifically about diabetes. And I was wondering how, how did you make that leap? Like, so I guess for people who don't know, Chris, like how would you describe, um, I don't even know how to put it. Like you, you have at birth, right? You were born with, how do you describe your arm? Yeah. So I was born with, I, I just say a physical disability, you know, I was born with two fingers on my left hand and a shorter left arm. So a congenital birth defect and I got diabetes at 19. So the majority of my life, I, you know, grew up being different, looking different and obviously, uh, feeling different. So that's, that was my situation, I guess you could say. And I think a lot of people think, oh, the only reason, you know, you're doing so well with speaking is because, you know, this and that it's kind of a cop out, you know, a lot of people have either a condition or a lot of people have something, uh, but we all share the same story. And this is something I share with a lot of my speakers too. You, Scott, have the exact same story as me. And everyone listening to this has the exact same story as us. You went through some crap, you got over some crap, and there's some more crap coming. Mm -hmm. That is everyone's story to a T. Everyone has the exact same story. The question is, how do you tell it in a way that isn't about you, but it's about what people get from your story? Yeah. You know, my first ever mentor, he told me, um, tell me your story. And I told him this whole sob story. And at the end of it, most people would be like crying or like, oh my God, you know, that's amazing. He literally said, so what? And that was like, I, I've never heard that before. And he said, so what? No one cares about your story. They care about your message. He's like, what is your message? People care about what you can get, what they can get from your story. So like when you do this podcast, it's not just you talking about how good of a podcaster you are. It's literally you interviewing people and delivering value to people, whether it's education, entertainment, a mix of the two, which it usually is, people are getting something. So the best storytellers in the world give something. They don't just talk about themselves. And I know you know what I'm talking about, especially in the diabetes space. When there's people who just accomplished a feat and they talk about the feat that they accomplished and that's it. And that's nice and all, but I can't associate with anyone who has done crazy feats. Just like you, Scott, probably can't associate with me or, you know, level with me. I lifted 675 pounds, but you can level with me in understanding the adversity of building something, the struggle, and then coming out on top of that because you did certain things to make it work. So yeah. conceptually, I took it from diabetes to, okay, how can we deconstruct this, make this into a message? Mm -hmm. If you had to break down your message in one sentence or one word, what would it be? I speak on three topics, overcoming adversity, diversity and inclusion, and change management. None of those are diabetes, but all of them involve diabetes. Yeah. No, no, I, well, so I was just, I, I kind of brought up your arm because I was impressed when you moved into like, I've seen you speaking to kids with prosthetics before. I guess this is my my story. And I opened up a video one time on your Instagram that made me cry. And I was like by myself sitting at this desk and just taking a break from editing the podcast for a minute. And I don't know what it was. I Maybe it's because I know you. Like, like maybe that was it. But you were having such a – you were just surrounded by these kids and they just it seemed like there was such a connection and they seemed so thrilled to see you 
And I don't know, it just, it touched me in a way that I, I can't, I don't know what you said there that day or what you did with them or anything, but like this short little clip, like really, I thought, wow, look at Chris. Doing I remember it. what you're talking about. Cause you actually wrote, you wrote me that day. Yeah. And, uh, it was a kid who had no legs and, uh, I put him on a box and we were doing, everyone else was doing deadlifts and he was sad because he couldn't do deadlifts cause he didn't have legs. So he's kind of like somber in the corner. I said, what are you doing, man? I was like, why aren't you deadlifting? He's like, I can't. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, don't you ever say that. And I literally put him on a box and I uh, attached some hooks to his hands because he had some issues with grabbing. And I taught him how to do pretty much an upper body deadlift. And it started as that. And then it built to this room full of people surrounding this kid, hyping him up. And uh, just to watch the kid go from like knowing he couldn't do something to proving himself wrong. Like that is what I did my entire life. Yeah. You know, so I watched this kid go through the transformation that took me 17 years, you know, 17 years of hiding my disability. It took diabetes to kind of stop doing that. But I watched him do that. But I, I was able to take my 17 years and do that in 17 seconds for this kid. I just think, too, about all the people in the room and what they take out of it as well. I mean, I sometimes I, I sometimes I joke and. I tell the people that like my, my job is really to trick you into taking care of yourself. Like that's sometimes how I think. Fact, of it. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> so, um, because it's easy to tell people what's right. I mean, I'm a, listen, Chris, I'm a person. I know what's right. I can't always accomplish it. Right. And so like diabetes is more immediate. It's, it's not like we're trying to like make a big change for ourselves and it's okay if it takes five years, like it's your health and I want you to get to it quickly. And so I sort of mix the conversations with a little bit of humor, a lot of details, and hopefully kind of just leave it there for you so that what you take from it isn't the answer, but it's, it's enough of the answer that you can go home and work on it yourself. And I, and that's, I guess how it hit me watching the video of you. Like I kept thinking there are other people there and they're witnessing this and they're going to go home and think, yeah, I mean, that kid did that thing, and this guy did this stuff, and there are things I don't do. I bet you I could do them as well. And that, because I, I, it just spreads so much more quickly that way. It really does inspire. Like, it, it, it causes people to question. And this is, you actually were talking about doing a national sales meeting for like, well, you said Omnipod, I think. I, right before I left, because uh, I'm currently on vacation, right before I left, I did a national sales meeting for Eversense, the uh, implantable CGM company. And they uh, they had all their employees come in and they pretty much hired me to do a talk on change management, which pretty much has nothing to do with diabetes. Um, but it has everything to do with diabetes because like, we have to monitor and manage how we change throughout the day, blood sugars, moods, everything. you know. And uh, it's crazy to see the ideas that get sparked from being in the room and having the right conversations at the right time, you know, and people take away so much just by being a, a spectator in what's going on, whether they're helping another person or whether they're seeing someone be helped, that catalyst for change is something that people listen to this podcast and they get from all the time. You're tricking people into taking care of themselves, but you're also motivating them to take care of themselves. You're, you're positioning them to make better choices on their own because you know, you can't force people to make better choices. Yeah. You can't do that. But what you can do is put them in a position to listen. You can't sell an empty seat. You can't give someone an idea if their ears are closed, you know, 
But you invite people to open their ears. You invite people to listen. And you invite people to make the change they know they already want. And now they feel a connection instead of being forced and being defensive. And that's what I do as a speaker. Mm -hmm. The way I see it is that diabetes is not something that you would, I don't care how much you're struggling or, or anything. Like it just, how do you give over like your free time to listening to someone talk about diabetes? Like I don't, I can't imagine it. Right. So instead I make a podcast that I would listen to and we talk about diabetes mixed into it. And, and that way that's the trick. The trick is that I trick you to actually listening because I, I mean, who would otherwise, who would listen to this? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, I have issues. That- it's funny when you say that though, when you say that, I'm like, okay, that's exactly how I connected with those kids over the years, especially in diabetes. When I used to speak like specifically to kids, parents would be like, oh, can you connect with my kid? They're really struggling with this. And, you know, I always recommend, obviously, mental health therapy is like extremely important, but they think, they think I, I'm just going to go talk to their kid about blood sugar and you should take your insulin and you should do this. You should do that. They think I'm going to be a secondary parent, but what they don't understand is I'm doing exactly what you're saying. I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? What's up? How are you? You know, like, how's your day going? I'm, I'm treating you like a human, not like a patient. I'm literally treating you like a person we're talking and we weave in some diabetes stuff here and there. But the most important thing is to understand that like diabetes is a part of who you are. It's not who you actually are. So why is it that we're pretending that like everything should be around our our time and range and we're so numbers driven that we lose the personality to gain the perfection and blood sugars that doesn't exist anyways, you know? So uh, I definitely, uh, I really identify with what you just said. Yeah. I have a text here from someone uh, just from today and he says, um, do you have, uh, do you have specific episodes for people to listen to if they're going to send their kids away, like to an overnight situation or a camp? And I said, no, I I don't because for the same thing you just said, like what he thinks is, People have to send their kids to an overnight camp. Maybe he doesn't think this, but what they think is. And there's like some sort of an answer. Like I can listen to a story that will tell me step one, step two, step three, and then that'll get me through this situation. But I don't think that's how that works. So what I responded back was I would start them depending on where they are with their diabetes with these the pro tip series or the bold beginning series so they can understand how to manage their type one so that when their kid goes away, it's not an issue. Like there's no magic answer for overnights. It's it's pre-planning. Ooh, I love that. You, you know what I, I mean? I love that. Yeah. So and that's there is no universal fix to an individual problem. And the problem is people want the shortcut to their specific problem. They want the shortcut to the and of course we all do. I still search, but that's what I use Google for. You know, I will Google the most specific problem and solution that I can. But when I want the the true answer. It's a concept because once you learn a concept off your podcast from me on a stage or on social media, whatever it is from your doctor, once you learn the concept, you can apply it to all situations. So instead of saying, how do I best manage blood sugars overnight when they leave, saying, how do I best manage blood sugars in general, and then apply that to everything you do in your life versus looking for the most specific solution that will only work in a very specific case and the likelihood of that applying to you is slim to none. Uh, this double-edged sword. People always want to hear from athletes who have type one, but I find generally speaking, they're sometimes the worst people to ask and they're having some success, but they don't really know why it just works for them. 
And, you know, you start asking them about their management. They go, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've, I've had fairly famous people on here who I ask about how they take care of their diabetes, and they don't know how they take care of their diabetes. But then you get a guy like Chris Freeman, who is a guy who says there are no light switch answers. Like, you can't pop a pill for diabetes. You have to do the work in the beginning. You have to set yourself up for success. And there, there's a great example. There's a guy who's an athlete who actually understands how to put things in order so that when the time comes, he doesn't have a problem. And if a problem should arise, he's also prepared for that. And and that's just uncommon. Like, it's hard to find people who can, who have the nerve to say to you, there's no quick fix. Yeah, because it, it makes people kind of mad. It makes yeah. people mad because you're like, you're in this position of power or notoriety and you don't have the answer, you know, but that, I feel like there's, so much knowledge and trust in saying, I just, I truly don't know, mm-hmm. or you have to go to the concept. There is no one answer. Everything has to be qualified. I feel like the only true absolute answer is it depends, you know? Oh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's also why I enjoyed having you on over the years too, because you're, you're very, when you talk about diabetes, you are very much like Chris, you're very much like, or excuse me, very much like Chris Freeman in that you you're like, look, there's no quick fix here. There's no, there's answers, but you need to understand what they are and there's work to be put in and that kind of stuff. So I, that attitude I appreciate in general. Well, it's the same with you too, because you're not, you're not very dogmatic about like specific approaches. Like so many people can have different approaches, high carb, low carb, anything in between, like what, regardless of the type of food or anything, it's the question is like, conceptually, do you know how to manage the lifestyle that you want? That's what I'm going to ask. Mm. I have like three basic rules. Can you manage it without ruining your life? Uh, does it actually work for you? And can you sustain it? Those are my three questions. If you can get all three of those questions answered, yes, I'm happy with what you're doing. You know, if yeah. not, then you just need to tweak some things. I, I couldn't possibly agree more. Okay. So, so how do you transition to like what you're doing now? Like, how do you start from, I, I, I'm acting like, I'm like, how do I do this? But I, I don't think I want to do this, but um, I honestly don't think I could do what you do and make the podcast at the same time. I don't know that I, I could be, I could accomplish all that, but it is interesting that you, like, does somebody recognize what you're doing? Do you seek out management? Is it a, like, how do you, like you mentioned a mentor, how do you build your, your business? So that is a definitely, it's always a weird question when someone asks, what do I do for a living? It's I say keynote speaker or speaker and people have these ideas. Like maybe they think I'm doing like Tony Robbins seminars, having people walk on coal. Maybe they think I'm just lecturing at like colleges, but I speak at all kinds of like corporations, nonprofits, associations. I've spoken for companies like the American Pyrotechnics Association. It's just like a fireworks convention, all of this stuff. But basically I started in, recognizing that I loved speaking on stages. I love telling stories. I, my first ever talk was for a nonprofit for diabetes and I fell in love with it, but I knew I could do better. Maybe you had that with your first like podcast and you're like, you know, it was great, but I think with practice, this can get even better. And I can build this, I can optimize this. And I did that. I went to like some speaking classes like Toastmasters and that's all around the world. And I learned the art of speaking. Then I learned the art of storytelling. I started looking up YouTube videos then I just started like reverse engineering. What are people doing as speakers to make a career, like an actual career? And I was like, oh man, this person's doing that. And this person's charging this much. And this person's talking about a topic that I'm very confident in. I can do that. So I started emulating that. And uh, over the years, 
I started doing all the work myself. And even to this point, the majority of the work is myself. Now I'm at the point where a lot of the leads are inbound. So people want to have me speak. I built myself as like a D-list celebrity, uh, just getting press and trying to do as much good as I can, which was luckily recognized. And uh, I established my business from a 360 degree perspective. So as a, I, I hate the word influencer, and we've talked about that before, but having followers on social media, having a, a solid story, being able to tell it, being charismatic, and then giving as much value away, that has built me into when you search my name, you know who I am, what I do. And if you are looking for a speaker, I'm high on your list from a company's perspective. Hmm. Well, wow, that's brilliant, actually. How long do you think it took you to accomplish that? I think it took about three and a half, four years to get to the point where the last two years have been like astronomically like levels of growth. So if you look at like a chart, you know, it's pretty linear. If not, it dips down a little bit because you're like, I hate this. This isn't working. This is terrible. It's never going to work. It's all those like negative things you tell yourself in your head. And it was pretty linear and low until a certain point, it just like skyrocketed. And all of the work, you know, the, the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. And that is so true because uh, I definitely, I'm eating the fruit now. It's great. But I had to put in the work and that was tough. I did a lot of things less optimal than I should have. I talked for free a lot because it was like, well, my story isn't worth anything. My message isn't worth anything. And until I established my value, I wasn't able to set a boundary on what I was worth. You know, and once I did that, that kind of changed the game for me. But now it's to the point where I'm in the bigger leagues with people and uh, I speak a lot less frequently. But when I leave an event, the confidence these companies have, they're like, we we made the right decision with the speaker. That was the best part. That's one of the most like genuine compliments that I get at events is your talk was the best part of our event. And that is, it's great as an ego boost. Yes, but it lets me know what I'm doing is of value. Yeah. What 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 I'm giving is recognized and nothing beats that. I had uh, an experience recently where I was at something and there was another person speaking and I watched the room get uh, disinterested with their talk. And it, oh, it, it no. and, and that broke oh, my heart. That kills me. Yeah, yeah. People started doing other things, getting up to get drinks, like that, oh, that, that sort of stuff. As a speaker, that's the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah, horrible, right? And you can see the person feels it's it's deteriorating on them. And I went outside. I, I snuck out of side so nobody could see me go to call my wife. And, and uh, she's like, how's it going? I was like, oh, I'm on next. She's how's the room? And I was like, uh, you know, they didn't, they kind of didn't hold on for the last speaker. But my goal is just that, just that, like nobody gets up, nobody you know, people are interested and engaged. And it actually revved me up because I, I took it as a personal challenge. I'm like, because these people are already now they're now they kind of have the feeling like maybe this isn't something I'm interested in. And now I'm the second talk. So I went up there with a ton of energy. I was like, you like are not going to take your eyes off of what we're doing right now. I got such great feedback afterwards, you know, blending humor into something that nobody sees anything fun about you know, keeping us engaged. Like I got a lot of people stop me and said, thank you uh, for making it interesting. And I, I, I didn't have the nerve to tell them like you guys made it interesting. Cause I was like, I, I turned myself way up when I saw that happening. Cause that's terrible. Like, like you said, like it's not even ego. It's just, if you're up there and you look down and people aren't looking, it's, it's hard to keep going. 
you know, you, you stop trusting the it words. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It's not because it, your goal to be there is to give something. And if, if they're not in that position to be receiving, like, what are you doing up there? And as an audience member, one, you don't want to see the speaker flop because that's uncomfortable for you. <laughs> you never want to watch someone like struggle. But, you know, the audience is sitting there and they've probably been there for a few hours. Maybe, you know, they have a long event ahead of them or they have already had a long event. Each chance to talk from a speaker is the chance to to reignite them, kind of like give them something. Yeah. And the one thing that is a non-negotiable for me is effort. As a speaker, as a storyteller, as anyone, if you're doing anything in your life, like just give the effort when you're doing it. You don't have to give 100% effort all the time to everything you do. Like you're making coffee with 100% effort. <laughs> um, when you're doing something like a, that of value, giving value, a hundred percent effort, nothing yeah. less because people see that and they respond to that. Like you turned up your charisma, like you put in the effort that you had to give. Um, now, luckily you can probably operate at 90%. That's most people's, you know, 150%, but not everyone has that, that luxury, but giving a hundred percent effort is a minimum when you're doing something like that. Yeah. Do you ever wonder if it translates to anything else? Like you're a young guy still, like, do you ever think like, what do I do next? Like if this runs its course, what do I do next? I worry about that all the time. Oh, so that is definitely, it's funny that you said that because I have had that midlife crisis like 400 times over, you know, um, worrying about, oh my God, if the speaker market dries up, well, COVID, the speaker market did dry up yeah. and I had to completely change my uh, direction offering virtual events and all this. But I realized that I've leaned into this storytelling and building a speaker business that's not only lucrative, but very fulfilling that I can teach other people to do this. Now I have people who are interested in messaging me out of nowhere saying, Hey, how did you become a speaker? Like, how did you do this? Like you can actually make money. And when they see that there's like a real career there plus fulfillment, like how could you deny that? You know? So now if the speaker thing ever didn't work, I would teach other people, which I'm already doing now teaching other people to speak but that translates to communication and jobs, whether it's communication and relationships, jobs, uh, salesmen, anything, the art of storytelling, the art of communication is priceless, you know, and that's, that is a very evergreen concept and career. Yeah. It's great that it doesn't rest totally on the shoulders of having social media too, because it's, that's the part of it I least enjoy. Um, but the part I do enjoy, it, you just said it too. It's it's so interesting, the parallels. I never imagined I would do something that I'd be good at and that I would enjoy that would help people. Like, it just seems very lucky, like ultra lucky to be in that position. Um, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the three, Those three intersecting is very, very slim to none. But I feel like we're in our day and age, we're very lucky that we're in this position to have you know, uh, technology that allows us to do things like podcast or speak virtually or connect virtually. So the, the job is like extremely fulfilling and it's amazing, but a lot of people can start making shifts towards that. Not everything's going to be a podcast or a stage, you know, storytelling can cross many channels and many avenues. You know, the question is if that's something you want to get into, what does your version of storytelling look like? Because a doctor very much can be a great storyteller. You know, a, a receptionist can be a great storyteller. A lot of people, this this skill that you have, this skill that I have from stage 
is transferable to so many avenues of life. Yeah. No, there was a time before technology where I was just the um I was just the most interesting person at a credit union. And it it <laughs> but I don't know that I was doing anything different than I'm doing now. You know, like at its base level. Like I just when I see people, I'm like, oh, we'll talk. And then you start talking and you like you you can see like what engages people? Like, what did they like? What did they not like? What did they rub up against, but ultimately was valuable for them? Like, that's, I find, um, a skill, too, is to know that there are some things that need to be said that aren't going to be initially received well. But if you deliver it well, they'll listen to it, and then they'll consider it, and then they kind of come back. And, and I learned a lot of that face-to-face with people. Um, and even honed it for diabetes by helping people one-on-one when I just had a blog. Like, I would let people call me on the phone. I've preferred as many podcasts as I have. I have a couple hundred more that nobody recorded, which were just phone calls with people trying to figure out their life with diabetes. And I remember on one of the calls one time, I, you know, I hung up and I said to my wife, I'm like, I bet you people would have enjoyed listening to that conversation. And that was kind of one of the first times I thought, like, maybe I should record them. Anyway, it's just, and then all the hard work, that's the part I think no one like, like could possibly understand. Like, I know this stuff all seems like it just happens. Like Chris stood up and like, you're a handsome man, Chris, you're in good shape. You stand up in front of people like, oh, there's a handsome guy. He's good at speaking. He gets to be a speak. It's not like that. If I- only that was it. <laughs> if only that was it. You know, it's. Uh- <laughs> I remember a time where I was like, I think Chris is like, like, I thought you were hustling. Like for a while, like I was like, I don't know you oh, well, yeah. n- know you well enough to be proud of you, but you put irons in every fire you could find at one point in your life. You're like, I'm going to make oh, one yeah. of these things work for me. And oh, was, yeah, yeah it's impressive. It's, it's one of those things like I was, I was committed to making something work. I'm like, I tell it in, in my talks in a few of the talks that I do, like I say, like, there has to be more to life than just being disabled and diabetic. Like there has to be something. And like, I say that and it, it hits, but like, I, I really feel felt that way. I was like, whether it's fitness, which I had a great fitness career, um, speaking and the next route will be in addition, like coaching maybe, I guess, but like wherever it goes, there is more to life than, than the the problem, you know, the obstacle. And I read the, a book by Ryan Holiday called the obstacle is the way, and it's about stoic philosophy and stuff, but basically it's just talking about like the obstacle in the way becomes the way. And, uh, maybe, you know, I talked too much in school and I got in trouble for that. Now that's what I happen to get paid for. So um, it's crazy how things kind of turn around. Yeah. My dad used to say to me, like, someone's going to smack you right in the mouth one day. And I was like, I don't think so. I think I could talk my way out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So you're doing all this different stuff now. And we're having this conversation today. Like people are like, I'm never going to be a public speaker. Like if you're thinking I'm never going to be a public speaker, why do I care about this? I think you're missing the point. Like I think the way to help yourself with your diabetes or honestly in a lot of ways is in Chris's and my story about how we ended up in this position. Like you can do these things in your everyday life. You don't have to have the goal of being a public speaker or making a podcast. Like your, your goals are, it can be very, oh, yeah. very personal and, and and still very valuable. We can tie this. We can completely tie this into everything. You know, yeah, you don't have to be a public speaker. You don't have to be a podcaster. Step one is believing that there is possibilities outside of just being sick. 
there is a life outside of just being diabetic. Hmm. You know, there is the reclaiming of like who you are. You're not just, you know, a, a father of someone with type one, type one, you know, I'm not just a person with type one, I'm Chris, you know? So that's step one. Step two is I would argue that storytelling and speaking is very important, whether it's in a room full of one person, you know, like your family or your friends or your boss or anything you want to do, or it's in front of a work meeting or a nonprofit that you wanted to start or be a part of, or a church group or whatever you're into. The art of communication is extremely important. Let's take that one step further. Storytelling internally kills people. The story you tell yourself about the current situation either kills you or helps you survive or helps you thrive. Let's take a blood sugar. Uh, you know, Scott, when you hear the number 378, what are some feelings that come up? So for me, they I just go right to, we're going to hydrate, we're going to correct, we're going to maybe try to move around a little Great. bit. Yeah, I go to like, how do, how do you fix Solution it? Based? Yeah. Solution based? Solution based? Yeah. What are, what are some of the people that listen to your podcast? What do you think they feel? Failure. I think failure hits them failure. pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So let's, yeah. let's take that 377. What happens if I put the word puppies after that? Do you feel those same things? You no. don't feel failure. You don't feel anything. You right. don't feel you, now you're happy. Now everything, the number it changed perspective and you completely told yourself a different story. So it was never the number itself. It was the story you told yourself about the number that the number was not only bad, but failing. Hmm. The number was not only bad, but something that is just catastrophic. When in reality, diabetes isn't good. Diabetes isn't bad. Diabetes just is. And the rest of it is the story you tell yourself. Because when you have a high blood sugar, you just need to take insulin. In reality, that's all you need to do. You don't need to, you know, when you have a flat tire, you don't set the car on fire. You don't need to ruin your entire day or your entire life because of a blood sugar that has no emotion aside from the one you attach it. Mm -hmm. You do live the life you make for yourself. You do. That's a hundred percent. And the way I've boiled it down on the podcast is I try to tell people you get what you expect. And, um, I, I it's just that it, there's yeah. a, a million different ways of saying, you know, you're, you're in, you're in a situation. The situation isn't your reality. And you have to just, yeah. I love the idea of like, you just tell yourself the right story and then that's what ends up being. But how do you, and, and I like to ask people, I'm like, are you, are you telling yourself a story that predicts you as the winner? Maybe it doesn't have to be personified as a hero, but are you at least telling yourself a story that puts you in a good position? Because <laughs> if not, you're actively telling yourself a story that puts you in a losing position. Like you can't be mad at anyone else but yourself. Right. I, um, I had an experience last month in April. So not everybody would know this because your, your business or what you do doesn't like hinge on this, but the internet ebbs and flows. Um, it, it slows down sometimes and it picks up sometimes and it's not always the same every year. It's not, you know, but in April there was almost, and I don't know why people's minds work like, like how this happens. Like, but at the beginning of April, I started watching the podcast trend backwards and it never trends backwards. So it threw me off. And I started like looking at it. I was like, like the first thing that, that wanted to enter my mind was, well, this is it. You did it. You kept this thing going for almost nine years and th this is it. It's over like this, you know, six months from now, almost like I was at a casino pulling on a, 
a slot machine. I like, I know I'm going to lose this money, but I'm just going to pull and pull and eventually it'll all be gone. That was my first thought. Like, oh God, this is it. It's over. And I immediately stopped myself. I was like, that's not the case. Like there's something happening. And it turns out like good weather popped up right as Easter came. And so people just probably went outside a little more, probably stopped downloading things at the same clip. Now, by the way, I'm down like 10%. And I know people would like laugh at that, but I was in a panic because this all means so much to me. And then I started, I just refocused myself. I pulled myself out and I told myself a different story. Like instead of telling myself like this thing's over, it's failing and I'll spiral along with it. I just found a story that worked for me to stay positive. And I said to myself yesterday, Scott, there were more downloads for this podcast than the first year of the podcast. You're fine. This is fine. Even if it all, even if it dropped off 10%, it never went back up again. It's still reaching so many people. It's that's fine. completely fine. And that's, yeah. that concept is what everyone needs to understand is the only difference between you spiraling, like you said, you started to, to you just carrying on was the story you told yourself. And that's what happens. People have this sugar or this situation and they will literally tell themselves the spiraling doom story. It's because we tie our success and our happiness to a finite metric of like success or a a finish line of success. Like for you, maybe it's a doubt downloads. You know, if your podcast went down 20%, I would argue that the success was there because each episode is a success for what it does for the people who need to hear it. Mm -hmm. You know, your metric is not total. It is definitely a metric, but the main metric to be proud of is to understand that there are families that are, they're better off now in their personal and just in their lives because of the information they've heard on your podcast. The one that they're not phased by 10% down They're They're in, they're loving you because of what you've done for them. You know, it's the same thing with, with my stuff. I used to base it off social media. Like when I was big into social media, I don't post too much anymore. Um, I used to base it off these like markers of like, if I'm not there, this conditional happiness of, if I'm not the best speaker, if I'm not making X amount of money, if, 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 if. And the second I started to remove those markers and more so say like, okay, when I give this talk, am I doing a hundred percent? When I'm, when I'm doing this, am I giving my effort? And am I embracing like what I'm doing in the moment? That one paid off so much more in terms of fulfillment, but that's when I saw my success truly go up is when I took away the stressors of those finite like finish lines. The other thing I did was I supported myself. So, because I, I really mean it, like it, it hit me hard. First of all, I do know how many people the podcast helps. And if I'm doing a poor job of spreading it, then it feels like, oh, I'm going to eventually lose this thing. So I recognize this isn't the case, by the way. Like, this is an anomaly. I'm okay. So I snap myself out of it a little bit. First thing I do is I go to the private Facebook group, and I I just scroll through it to see all the people that are doing well because of the Facebook group and because of the podcast. And I go, okay, I'm still having a good impact on people. And then I surrounded myself with, like, a couple of people, like, loved ones. Like, I went to my wife. And I said, I'm very worried about this. And she's like, Scott, don't worry about it. Like, and she gave her reasons. And Isabel, who helps me with the Facebook group, she's, she supported me too. She's like, this is, it's just, you know, it's just a momentary thing. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, I was uh, intersecting with somebody who I do business with. And I said, can I ask you a question? Were your numbers down in April? And it's a different business, but still like, it's still 
needs people coming through the internet. And she goes, yeah, like by 15%, we couldn't figure it out. And I said, I saw a dip too. I think it was just April. Like, let's wait and see. And then the first week of May, I did, the, the, the podcast was like stunningly popular the first week of May. And I thought, oh, well, these people, they're back. Like, here they are. You know, like they went off and did something and now it's growing again. And I don't know that I get through it if I don't change the story and if I don't surround myself with positivity and find some support. Those are the things I did. So, and it got me, and by the way, I know it sounds like a silly thing, like, oh, Scott's podcast didn't get clicked on as much, but it means more than that to me. Uh, for for everybody listening, and by the way, uh, I pay for my kid's college with it and and like my electric bill and things like that. So there's a lot riding on it for people and for me. Um, so it's not just a, not just a click on a picture. Do you know what I mean? And anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, really- it's what's, it's what, and that's the thing to recognize is everyone has what's important to them personally, whether it's like you do art or you sing or you're a CPA or you're a podcaster, you know, it, we don't knock people for what they value and you just have to embrace that. But if that's something you value, you put all your effort towards it and do that. And the whole reason this podcast exists is if we're able to manage our diabetes appropriately and optimally, we position ourselves to focus on the things that we love with the people we love. Mm. Well, the other thing I see too, from interviewing, I, I, there's a one interview I've done that just sticks in my head over and over again. It's a, like a 28 year old type one, and she'd had it since she was a teen. And she she re- reached out. She said, I just, I'm a big fan. I want to come on and tell people how much the podcast has helped me. So she and I are having, the you know, a conversation. And I keep thinking, like, we're going to get to the part at some point where she talks about how, like, you know, the podcast taught her to, I don't know, do something with her insulin. And finally, we were having such a good time, we just didn't get to it. And I said, can you tell me, you know, why, how the podcast was helpful to you? And she said, um, yeah, the community. Like, like listening to other people with type one talk and tell their stories and hearing you interact with them. It's, it, it really helps me. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I said, I thought you were going to come on here to tell me about how you like changed your management. She goes, I don't know. She's like, I know all that stuff. And I was like, but you weren't having success earlier. And she said, yeah, I knew what to do. I just didn't do it. And I said, why not? And she goes, I don't know. She goes, I don't know why I didn't do the things that I was that I knew to do, that I knew would work. She goes, but what I can tell you is that listening to this podcast every week makes me do it. And I'm like, why? And she goes, I don't know. I think I just hear other people taking care of themselves and I want to do the same. It's just, I, I, it floored me, Chris. Like I, of all the things I thought the podcast would do or hoped it would do, I didn't expect that, you know? I think that's the, that's the thing to see is like sometimes what you want originally develops into something uh, like the best monster on its own. You you don't even know the ways that this this helps people. And similar to like my business, I think I'm telling a message and that's what I want to get across is that message. But some people, there's one word or one sentence that clicks in their head for something that they've been battling with. And now it just gave them a solution. But that's what I love is you're not giving people's answers you're positioning them to make a change yeah. when you have a job that positions people to make a change that's where the fulfillment comes into play you know the you are the people you surround yourself with type stuff she just started surrounding herself virtually 
with people who were wanting to take better care of themselves, which positioned her to be in a better mindset to do the stuff she already knew she needed to do. And I love that. That's a testament to like, you know, we're, we don't need to just hear the data. It's all, that's good stuff, you know, but a lot of us know exactly what we need to do. We just need to be around people who are also doing it. Yeah. No, and you need people to step up and to do it. Like you have to, Yep. you have to want, I don't know how to put this exactly. I, I go back to the thing the publisher said that a lot of authors aren't good speakers. And I thought, well, if I am, and I understand this diabetes thing, then the way I told my wife when I started doing it, because she was like, it's, you know, is this going to be okay? Like you're just sharing how you help Arden with her diabetes, like publicly. And I said, I, I yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. And she seemed worried. And I was like, but honestly, it just seems wrong, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem wrong to know this and know how to tell it and not do it? You know, like, not that she was trying to keep me from doing, but you have to understand, like, sharing your, like, when I started making this podcast, people in the diabetes community came after me. They were like, you can't. Oh, yeah, you, I remember. You know, I, I got, remember. I got jumped. And, like, you know, like, you know, you can't do this. You can't tell people. Chris, I got a note the other day. It's nine years later, and I have an email that's like, you're going to kill people sharing how you help your daughter. I'm like, well. <laughs> I, like, I don't think I am, but okay. And like, oh so like, God. so that's yeah. still, but by the way, if that email comes at the wrong time, it might stop me. So you need people oh, like, yeah. like me who are like, ah, f- off. and like, just kind of like, just kind of keep going, you know? Yeah. And it's just very valuable. So anybody out there that has that, and you see it now too, in different ways, like as the technology changes and all of a sudden, you know, there are people on TikTok talking about their diabetes I'm not going to be on TikTok, Chris. You know what I mean? So good. So if there's a person who figured out how to use TikTok to help somebody with diabetes, they're helping a group of people. I was never going to intersect with one way or the other. And so I think that's terrific. And a lot of people try and it doesn't work out for them. I still want more people to try. Like, you know, like I just, you have to keep finding people where they are. And that's a cliche, right? But you have to find people where they are to help them. You can't drag them into a place they're not comfortable I think it starts with your intention too. So if yeah. your if your intention is truly just like I want to be X famous, you know, like I want to be TikTok famous, I want to be podcast famous, I want to be speaker famous, anything. If your goal is to hang out at the finish line without running the race, you just want the medals and you don't want like the process. That shows, and it shows in the work that you do, and it shows in the the failure rate of these people who start podcasts or start speaking or start whatever they start. And they don't stick to it because their intention originally didn't align with what they truly wanted. It was just like a topical, like, I want to be seen as this. I don't want to do that. You know, a lot of people want to be seen as a podcaster. They just don't want to actually do it. And that that's understandable. I've had that feeling all the time, you know, like undoubtedly I might do something in the future around speaking, but I know my true passion, what I act on is speaking. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I do. And if a million people lined up and said, that's stupid, this isn't going to work, you should stop, I wouldn't listen. Because I know I have the full belief in that one thing, that's my thing. And the, the people who are disingenuous about it, they make my job harder. And and I'll tell you one way that, that happens is that I have had to make rules to make my life manageable and to keep hucksters off the podcast. But those rules end up sometimes eliminating people who would be really good guests on the podcast 
but I'm just, I'm here by myself making this whole thing. So I have like, look, if you're a, if you're a coach, like a health coach, I can't have you on because you're selling in the end, you're selling yourself if you're, um, you know, like that kind of stuff. So I, I get, and, but meanwhile, I know there are some people who are making their living coaching people about their health who would be great on the podcast. And it's just, it's difficult for me to figure out who's who. And that's, you know, and then people are like, well, I'm not like that. I'm like, I don't know how to believe that. Like I, I get stuck in that situation. So I get that completely. I mean, you have to protect like what you're doing because you're helping these people and you're not creating a platform to advertise from the people you are interviewing. You know, you you have a business model to send your kid to college, you know, and you have to protect this endeavor and this endeavor helps lots and lots of people. So this is not a billboard. You know, this is not an opportunity to sell a service. This is an opportunity to share a story yeah. that has impact. I think of the people listening to the podcast, I'm like very, I'm very protective of them. So, you know, I, I take ads because I mean, I take ads and I try really hard to make sure that I'm advertising for things that I, I genuinely believe will be helpful to you if you need them. For people who would come in from the outside and see these people as like fish in a barrel, which is what you become if like if people just start coming on and selling, selling, selling all the time, first of all, it wouldn't be interesting and you'd stop listening. But the other thing is, is that I would be scared that people would be losing their money on stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The model I set up for the podcast is rooted in the idea that I don't think people should have to pay for good health. And so I get my money from somewhere else, not from the listeners. And that's, I don't know, that's important to me. And so anyway. I love that. Yeah. It just, it means a lot to me. Like you shouldn't, it shouldn't cost you $600 to learn how to pre-bullish your meal. You know what I mean, Chris? Like, (laughs) Of course. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Kind of silly, kind of silly, you know. Now, if you have real trouble with it and you need somebody to hold your hand through it, and I don't mean that pejoratively, but if you need step-by-step help, well, then that very well may be worth the $600. But I don't know who's who, and it's a, it's just a difficult position to be in. So anyway, why are you on the podcast an hour into it? <laughs> I'm like, why did you come here? Were we supposed <laughs> to talk about something or did I, are we okay? <laughs> I think, I think that's the, the, the main thing, man, is like just. I, I came on this podcast knowing that our natural conversation just gives people like gems to think about. And you, when I when I text you, you're like, oh, just kind of talk about what you talk about on stage. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I talk about, you know, change management. I talk about, you know, overcoming adversity and all of that applies to diabetes. But more, there's more to life, you know, diabetes applies to life, but so much more applies to it. So the question is like, how do you manage that change? How do you manage, you know, developing a life that you find fulfilling with a condition we didn't ask for? And I think we answered that question. You know, you put effort into it and you stop the limiting beliefs. You change the narrative. You tell yourself a better story. And whether that leads to you becoming a, a brilliant podcaster or a speaker or just a great parent or a great person with a condition, you know, yeah. um, stories matter. So make sure you're telling yourself the right story. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I really do. I appreciate you coming on, especially while you're away on vacation. I know I don't make it easy to get on this podcast. Yeah, of course, man. Like that was this is yeah, <laughs> this was definitely not a uh, not an option. So I had set aside time uh, in my vacation to make sure we get any sort of little message out. And the the whole episode is not supposed to be like, oh my god, this is just an entire fortune cookie of tidbits. You know, like the the people who need to hear this and get something from it, I hope that they get what they need. 
And I hope that they understand that like, this is just opening the door for you to take the step. Mm -hmm. We, you, Scott, me, uh, we are not taking steps for people. We just position people to take better steps. You know, you, you spoke earlier about like having like, like taking classes about like to get to where you want to be. I don't think I've ever said on here before, but I listen to like other podcasts and sometimes it doesn't matter what the people are like. I, I know it's like it can it can seem like, oh, great. So there's a guy speaking in a guy podcast and talking to each other about how they made like their way through this thing. At, at face value, you might think like that wouldn't help you. But I've been taught so much just by listening to two comedians talk about coming up through comedy or, you know, like an author talking about how they found their way to a publisher, you know, regular person talking about how they got through their adversity or, or scaled their wall that they needed to get over. And I take something from all those conversations, even though like specifically they have nothing to do with me, uh, yet their story is like you said earlier, it's really no different than anybody else's. There's so many tiebacks to what we said earlier. You know, you said you people an- asking you a specific question, like they want a specific answer, but you always give the concept, you know, like it really depends. And that's, if you look at what we talked about today, you would say, I'm not a speaker or podcaster. This doesn't apply to me. If that is the case, you have your nose against the wall and you can't see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. because you're too zoomed in. Now, if you zoom out, if you back up and you can see the whole picture, you'll understand that two people, you know, battle the condition in different ways, but have different ways of overcoming that kind of situation and dealing with it on a day-to-day basis. And it puts you in the position to ask better questions, to tell yourself a better story. That's what I want people to get from this. You know, yes, we're very specific in what we talked about our careers, but the concept, the overarching concept, look for concepts, not situations. Mm. Well, and for people who listen to the podcast, they'll maybe heard what you just said about your nose being against the wall. And it will remind them of when I say, sometimes you have to look at your diabetes macro and sometimes you have to be micro. Like sometimes you need to be real close to it to see specifically what happened. And sometimes you've got to step back yes. and see the bigger picture. Ooh, that's something I can share. That is something yeah. that I love that you said that because that's something that was in my last keynote that I gave. Uh, and I was talking about zooming out, but you added to that. It, the big word you said is sometimes because a lot of people will be stuck zoomed out or stuck zoomed in. Yeah. And you have to understand the vantage point should not be a fixed position. Mm-hmm. If you have a fixed position vantage point, you are going to miss out on so much in life, uh, whether it's diabetes or not, because you're stuck from one angle. You're only seeing everything from one angle. You put a person on one side of a six and one side of the other six, they'll argue all day, whether it's a nine or a six. You know, it's like, don't argue semantics, just change your vantage point and know when to zoom in and know when to zoom out. Yeah, actually, it's not a thing I understood until speaking with people about their graphs. And they'll bring you like a three-hour Dexcom graph, and they'll be like, right here at 7 o'clock, what happened? And finally, one day, I was like, I don't know. Like, I need to see the 24-hour graph. You don't need to see that. Like, the rest of the day was okay. I'm like, well, you think it was, but I might see something different. Like, let's literally zoom out. Like, let's look at the last 24 hours. And then that led me to tell people, you know, the macro micro thing, but it also led me to understand better that what happened before is most likely the culprit for what's happening now. 
like so infrequently, yes, the thing that absolutely. you're watching happen right now, so infrequently, that's the problem. Like the problem usually came before, which then led me to say to people like insulin you use now is for later. But when you're trying to figure out what went wrong, you, you think about it that way, but a little backwards. Instead of saying, you know, insulin for now is later, you say insulin from before is what's happening now. So when you're trying to figure out what happened, it's what happened before. And when you're trying to get ready to stop a problem, it's now is for later. And that is heady until you listen to somebody speak about it. And then you go, oh, no, I understand. That makes sense. And it just, and I learned That's that. Great. That's great. Yeah, That's fantastic. It's it just, and, and, but even the pulling it all back around thing, like I'll pat us both on the back. <laughs> I, I don't know, like m many people don't get to have conversations like this, but like you and I are basically playing a slow game of tennis right now. Like I'm saying something oh, yeah. and I give you the ball. And while it's floating towards you, you think, all right, that's what he said. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to say this now. And then we're just, we've just been doing that back and forth for the last hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. It's, that's the art of communication. You got to listen to what other people are saying, by the way. And not for nothing, but most of your listen, problems yeah. are you. You're bad at communicating. <laughs> so, like, I see it online. I see yeah, it in people's, exactly. in people's personal relationships. Everywhere oh, yeah. else. I'm not great at it personally. Like, I, I'm a much better communicator on this podcast than I am in my real life. And it's, be, it's because I'm forced to listen because I spend so much time interviewing people I don't know. So if I wasn't really listening yeah. to them, I couldn't, I couldn't shepherd a conversation forward because I really, I couldn't just like, you can't just throw things out and let someone talk and then say the next disjointed thing. Like it has to be back and forth. Oh, you'd be surprised. Many people do that. I'm on many podcasts and there's some that I'm just like, you didn't, you don't even need me here for this. I say the thing I think, and then I let you talk. And then I say the thing I think. And yeah. Yep. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm it. not, I'm not into that. I'd prefer, I'd prefer that an hour have three gems in it. than you know, me just pontificating and, and saying the, like, you know, here, here's the steps from the podcast. All it's like, I'm not always selling. Like I just, I don't feel that way. Yeah, so, anyway. I love that. Yeah. I really love that. All right, man. I uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. You're uh, you're getting up there on the been on the podcast a lot of times list. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. I I'm always excited to be a part of it because like every time you've grown and every time I know you're reaching more people, which is great. I'm not selling anything except for an idea of you know today we talked about telling yourself a better story. Who knows what it might be in the future, but. Uh, this concept is evergreen. So this will always be of value. This will always be of use. So there's no use in having perfect blood sugars if you don't have great communication inwardly and outwardly. So just keep that in mind for anyone who's listening. Thank you. I appreciate it, Chris. Hold on for me, would you? Thanks, man. Yep. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chris Rudin. He is a three-time guest on the Juice Box Podcast. We love him every time. I want to thank him and uh, remind you that you can find him at chrisrudin.com. Let's also thank Dexcom. Makers of the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. Dexcom.com slash juice box. Get started today. And of course, Cozy Earth. Dot com for all of your comfortables. Do not forget to use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout because you will save 40% when you do. And I don't want to show off, but 40% is only 10% away from half off. And 10% is like thinking about money, like a dollar. 
it's 10 cents, right? But 40% is 40 cents. So every time you spend a dollar, you save 40 cents when you use the offer code Juicebox at checkout. I've now uh, spoken past the music. I apologize for that. What's left to say? Check out juiceboxpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast apps. No, please don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. I'm on the Instagram if you care, etc. and so on. Go find Chris. He's got socials as well. And then this is the last bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.